You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans? Welcome to Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's simply at Joe Kilgallen. Give this podcast a follow as well. That is at Locked On Cubs. Also, I haven't mentioned this in a, in a bit. I'm a stand-up comedian. If you like stand-up comedy, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. Warning, not safe for children. If you're under the age of, I'd say, 13, just skip it. If you're going into high school, I think it's pretty good for you. You might learn some things. All right. Uh, not a lot of fun things to talk about as our Cubs have now lost eight in a row. Just got absolutely destroyed on this past homestand by the Brewers and the, the White Sox as well. But the Brewers in particular put the hurt on the Cubs, just outscoring us by 100,000 runs. I'm exaggerating, but only slightly. There were some moments where you could say, okay, that's something. We'll hang our hat on that. I will talk about that. Jake Arrieta has been officially uh, designated for assignment or basically released unconditionally. Designated for assignment means, well, maybe you could go to AAA Iowa. This is basically, you're done, Jake. Thanks for the memories. Touch on that a bit. Wilson Contreras is on the IL. I want uh, let's dig in on Wilson Contreras a little bit. I feel like a further examination on Wilson Contreras and his future role with the Cubs is something worth talking about. And in honor of the Field of Dreams game that happened last night in Dyersville, Iowa, I'll talk about some of my favorite baseball movies with you. That could be fun. That might be a little two-parter. I might do that for these next two podcasts because there's so many, so many great baseball movies out there. This episode is brought to you by Locked on MLB. Join walking baseball encyclopedia, Paul Francis Sullivan. Sully! Every day on the Locked on MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past. Featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the Locked on MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Locked on MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. So, it, it was just bad. Kyle Hendricks pitched... For the Cubs yesterday, Kyle has been riding a high. He has been amazing. ERA in the mid threes going into the start. He's the guy that if you remove his month of May, has got an ERA in the twos and has been elite, elite. On pace for 20 wins, you know, which again, the win-loss record in baseball is kind of something that is not as praised as it once was. Upon further information, as we've advanced and with pitchers, pitching far fewer innings than ever before in any time in history. Given the W to the starting pitcher or an L to the starting pitcher is not making as much sense. There was that season, I believe in 2013, when King Felix, Felix Hernandez, ace of the Seattle Mariners, won the Cy Young while going like 500. I think maybe you end up being 13 and 12, but at one time he was 11 and 12 and people were like, he's going to win the Cy Young with a below 500 win-loss record. And a lot of, you know, so old school baseball fans, I won't say elderly. I almost did. Well, I just did. They were not happy about that. They were like, how could you be the Cy Young when you don't even, you know, it was a lot of stuff like that, but it was kind of like the team has no offense. They score no runs for him. He has no bullpen behind him. But then those dudes are so old school. It's like pitch deeper into the game. And, you know, I mentioned the podcast yesterday about how Juan Marichal once had a season in which he threw 30 complete games. So that That's their, their remedy for everything. But the win-loss record, if I could be a little bit of a nerd about baseball for you, it really, look, if you win 20 games, odds are you're pretty good. 
it's not saying pitchers who win a lot of games are bad, but it's saying that it's a lot out of the pitcher's control. You could have a very, very good season and have a bad win-loss record. And you could have an okay season, okay to even like, eh, and have a really, really good win-loss record. I first noticed it in 2003. The Cubs were facing the Atlanta Braves in the National League Divisional Series. And I looked at the pitching matchups, and the Braves had a guy named Russ Ortiz, who was really like their fourth best starter, but he had the most wins. He won like 20 games that year, and all of his other numbers were pretty pedestrian. ERA in the fours, and just, you know, which ERA sometimes can be misleading too. There could be players with ERAs in the four, but really they pitch much better than that. They just have kind of a bad defense around them or some bloop singles here. There's some bad luck comes across every now and then. Yeah, Russ Ortiz. So I had it a little wrong. In 2003, he was 21 and seven. I was right about that. 212 innings back then wasn't like, holy cow, like, oh my God. Now it would be. But look at this 6.32 Ks per nine. Walk rate. He walked almost four batters per nine innings. That's not good. Kept the ball in the ballpark just well. But here's what shows you. His ERA was 3.81. The next year was 4.13. And the next year today was 6.89. But his FIP was over four. He only was a three war. You win 21 games, but your wins above replacement is a solid three. That tells you a little bit of something there. So, yeah, I mean, the win loss of Earl Hershiser is a great example, too. Again, I'm nerding out in some old school baseball stuff. But not a lot of fun Cubs stuff to talk about. Earl Hershiser in 1988, the Dodgers won the World Series. He was phenomenal. I think he won like 25 ball games. The next year, he won like 19. So a lot of people are like, oh, he was better in 88. But really, in 1989, he pitched more innings, struck out more guys, walked fewer guys, gave up less. It's like every number was better in 1989 as opposed to 1988, but one wins. See, it kind of shows you it's some of it's out of the pitcher's hand. But then again, as I said, if you win 20, that's pretty awesome. And it usually means you're pretty great. It usually means you're sticking around deep into games, all that kind of stuff. Very few players have won 20 and had like bad, bad seasons. Even Russ Ortiz, the season I just named, he was solid enough. 3 8 1 ERA, which in 2003 in the steroid era, a little bit different. By the way, I'm starting to miss the steroid era. That was fun. I'm watching some baseball games now and it's like, at first, I thought, yeah, pitchers are getting a lot better. But now I'm like, no, these hitters are bad, too. Some of the hitters are just not very good. I feel like there's been something going on in like uh, youth baseball or just youth sports in general over the last maybe decade and a half or so, where if you have a live arm, you could tell pretty early on. You see some nine-year-old who could, who's could who got some zip on his fastball, some little smoke. You're like, ooh, there's potential here. Let's really groom this kid. Let's get the mechanics right. Let's see what we got. He could be a really great high school pitcher, get a college scholarship. Who knows? Sky's the limit. Baseball, though, I almost feel like really good athlete. Yeah, you might have some hitting takes a while to develop a little bit longer. You know, and some of these guys might get pushed into football or into basketball. And I feel like the overall talent level that goes into hitting is not on par with the talent level that goes into pitching. And I know it comes in waves where it's like, oh, this is a pitching-heavy era, but then hitters adjust, and then hitters start to dominate, and then pitchers figure something out. And it's clear to me the pitchers are definitely figuring something out. Yes, there are more pitchers who could hit triple digits than ever before, but those guys have existed in the past. You know, there were guys who could throw 100 in the 90s or in the 80s even. You know, Nolan Ryan was – he was – in 1993, he was 45 years old, still hitting 96, 97. 
So clearly in the 70s, he was probably touching 102. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. People every now and then go, really? Come on. Think about just how you are as a person. If you're still lighting up the radar gun at 45, I imagine at 25, you were doing some out of this world type stuff. My point in all of this is that nowadays they're, they attack the top end of the zone. I look, I watch a picture like Walker Bueller or Burns for the Brewers or Woodruff. Woodruff's a better example than Burns. When I watch Woodruff, I think to myself, this is a lively fastball, 97, 98. The secondary pitches, the breaking pitches, I'm watching them and there's nothing that makes me go, wow, nasty, nasty. You guys know me. I don't like giving White Sox pitchers any credit, but I did see the highlight of that Michael Kopech slider. That was nasty. Like the type of thing where as a hitter, you're shaking your head going, what, what just happened? Am I less of a man now after facing that slider? I don't feel good about it. You know, you, you, you feel like you have to reevaluate your entire life stock and think about every decision you've ever made that led you to the point in which you were embarrassed by that slider. That's how I don't see that when I watch like Walker Bueller or Woodruff, I see amazing command, but as hitters though, you should be like, all right, this guy's always around the strike zone. Manny Rodriguez, the Cubs young guy that there could be grooming to potentially be a closer. He hits a hundred. He's got a nasty little breaking ball. Not nasty, nasty. It could be a little bit tighter if you ask me, but his command isn't great, great yet. It's, it's a lot to be desired. So that's why I gave up that one walk off to in Colorado. I mean, I don't know. Somebody's got to tip your hat to the hitter. I think we always look, whenever a pitcher gives up a home run, you always want to think, where did the pitcher screw up? But sometimes the hitter just got him because that pitch was like 99, hundred and Anytime a guy gets a home run off of that, you kind of have to tip your hat to him a little bit. Unless it's fat right down the heart of the play. And then it's like, what were you doing? But those guys, they they hit their spots. But I also think a lot of hitters still aren't as aggressive as they should be. They're still digging. I mean, launch angle makes sense. Ted Williams did launch angle, all that. But then they overdid it. Like, watch a Cody Bellinger at bat these days. And even Yelich to a sense. Neither one of them are as good as they were in 2019, 2018, 2017. They both had extreme launch angle swings. Hitters attack them up in the zone. They got to get, they're popping it up because the way they come underneath the ball to try, you know, it's a perfect swing to me, a fastball right down the middle. The perfect swing to me, a low fastball. And, And you get good play coverage on it. But the problem is anything a little up in the zone, which umpires are calling now, Maybe that's where the change is. Maybe Major League Baseball goes, all right, we're going to eliminate the high strike. Because Cody Bellinger was MVP in 2019. Yelich was MVP in 2018. And both of those dudes just do not look anything like the players they were in those seasons. So sorry, I went on a little tangent here. I was just thinking about Kendrick's having a bad game. And like, you know, this whole second half, or not really second half, post-All-Star break as a Cubs fan, I've been preaching, you got to look for the little things to root for. Hendricks getting the 20 wins would be really nice. I, what I love about Kyle Hendricks, though, is in the post-game press conference, he wore it. He straight up said, I I was bad today. You know, I left way too many pitches right over the heart of the plate. I just didn't execute it all. And, yeah, that's just on me. Just one of those games where you just don't have it. And and then because the, you know, the reporters were asking him, are you preparing differently? You think you lose your focus? Because this is the first time, Kyle, basically since your rookie season in 2014, in which you haven't been pitching meaningful games in August and now going into September. This will be the first time these games are meaningless as far as the standings go. Are you preparing differently? He's like, no, of course not. I'm still professional. I still want... See, I believe pitchers when they say that. I believe hitters this time of the year when they're playing for nothing could definitely get in ruts, 
could definitely get out of sync, not putting forth the effort they should. All of that makes sense to me from a hitting standpoint because they got to go up. They're playing every day, four bets a day, you know, all that kind of, uh, you know, you put all that into the equation. Pitching once a week, once every four or five days, you're going out there and all eyes are on you the entire time. You are like the man on the mound. So I definitely think that they're not going to just be like, eh, I'll go up there and lob it. You know, they're not, they got too much pride for that. They care about their numbers as the hitters do too. But hitting, I feel like you get into a different kind of funk than you do as a pitcher. But yeah, he didn't have it. He wore it. Hendricks is now 13 to five. ERA up over 4.15. See, he's not going to want that. He has not had a season in his career where his ERA has been over four. He's not going to deal with that. Kyle Hendricks is going to fight back. He's got probably about seven or eight starts left. Maybe more. No, what is it? August 12th right now, August 13th. Anyway, so yeah, he's going to, it's going to be tough for him to get 20 wins. Let's see. I'll figure out right now. They usually get about 32 starts a year. He has made on the season 24 starts. So he probably has about eight starts left. There's a slight chance he gets to 20. If he doesn't, who cares? Uh, But you want to get that ERA back down. His career earned run average is 3.24, which is one of the best marks in all baseball during the Kyle Hendricks era since, you know, 2015, let's say. Rock Auto, this episode is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning from this dude behind the counter who's just like, hey, my name's AJ. What could I help you with? It's like, dude, you don't know what you're doing. I could tell you got this job because your uncle owns this store, and now I have to listen to you questioning me. I don't think so, AJ. So save the time and money and use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers like you for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. This They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Get that shag going, right? So we encourage you to jump on rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Wild Alaskan Company has got, what they're cooking, no pun intended, is unbelievable. They've got salmon that will blow your mind, whitefish, all of the best seafood caught from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest you could ever want. We all know we should be eating healthier, right? We know eating more fish gets our omega-3s and the best kind of protein. But the seafood counter can be a little intimidating. Which fish tastes the best? What type? All of this kind of stuff, right? You don't, you're going to feel like a fool. So check out Wild Alaskan Company and let them take the guesswork out of the buying wild-caught seafood equation for you. Okay, Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably-sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. And here's what you want to do. Check out this deal, right? You get 15% off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's right. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for 15 bucks off your first box. Wild Alaskan seafood is how nature is intended to be. Always wild, never framed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. So again, wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for 15 bucks off your first box. All right, Jake Arrieta was let go by the Cubs, and um, yeah, the reunion just was not very good. You know, every we should think about that with some of our favorite TV shows that we want to come back. A lot of TV shows have been making comebacks lately. Oh, here's Roseanne, here's Will and Grace, here's this show. 
You know, besides Gilmore Girls, I have not been. I'm kidding. I don't even watch that. I, I would like to though. The 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 main woman of Gilmore Girls, some beautiful eyes. Anyhow, you sometimes the reunion just isn't worth it. Jake Arrieta's last start previous was in the 2017 NLCS, the one game we won in the 2017 NLCS against the Dodgers. I was there. Javi and Willie both went deep. Wilson Contreras actually hit one off the video board, the farthest home run of his career at 495 feet. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, Joe. I was told a couple weeks ago that or just before the trade deadline that Wilson hit his deepest ball in his career, regular season. That's what I hate about StatCast and the people who quote it all the time. They never include playoffs, ever. I was at that game. It was 495 feet. It was announced, talked about the next day briefly, and forgotten about because StatCast, we're geniuses. We're StatCast. Everything we say is right on the money, which I don't even buy. I don't buy it. I've seen balls hit where they go, that went 450. I go, yeah, right. And I've seen other balls hit where they go, that went 425. And I'm like, BS, that went 480. How I don't understand where they do it. And they, they, they think they're right, but they're not right. I'm just, I'm going against the computer on this one. Sometimes I think people are just too in love with the stack. Yes. That ball went 120 miles off the bat. Like, look, I love David Bodie. He is always one of the amongst the league leaders these last few years and hardest hit rate and just hitting into bad luck. But sometimes it gets to a point where it's like, maybe you're just bad. I don't know how many years of bad luck you're going to have. And I like David Bodie, but I like him in the role as like off the bench, super utility, I suppose getting two starts a week and being like your primary right-handed hitter off the bench. I don't like him playing every day. And maybe I'm wrong. I think I've seen enough, though. David Bodie was not on my list of players the Cubs need to be playing every day down the stretch. That list is Patrick Wisdom, of course, Rafael Ortega, uh, Gregory Dykeman, and Ian Happ. Those are my four that need to play every day the rest of the way. But, Joe, Ian Happ's terrible. I know. Let's find out for real, though, for real. Because, again, if he if we give him every day the rest of the way and he's still putting up a 180 batting average and all these other horrible stats around it, then we know. We wash our hands with it. We non-tender him in the offseason, save about $5 million, which, sadly, for the Cubs, this major, major franchise, one of the richest teams in baseball, every dime counts these days. And you say, good luck, Ian. And then you know what happens? Ian Happ gets picked up by some other team and looks back to being the potential switch-hitting all-star. Although I think he should just hit left-handed. If I'm being quite uh, honest, I feel like Ian, who's a great dude, is best served as a lefty. But I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised if Ian Happ goes to another situation. Sometimes this change of scenery stuff really does pay off and it really does help. Look at Max Muncy and the Dodgers. He was in Oakland A for a while. Didn't really do anything with him. Wasn't special at all. Dodgers pick him up. He becomes a guy that's uh, an all-star. It, it really it really does happen. You know, The Dodgers saw something in him that maybe Oakland did see, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't working in Oakland. That's not even a knock on the A's who are phenomenal at drafting and developing talent. Obviously, they don't spend anything. The Dodgers, as we all know, are phenomenal at drafting and developing too. So I'm sure when Oakland let go of Max Muncy and the Dodgers scooped him, I'm sure Oakland thought to them, I, I didn't even think they knew. Oakland's like, he's going he's gonna to play great for them. We know it, and that's fine. It just wasn't working here any longer. There you go. There you have it. That's part of it. I did want to talk about Wilson Contreras because Wilson Contreras, the other news besides Jake Arrieta going down, and I'm not going to dump on Jake Arrieta's final season or any stuff he said off the field, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to choose to remember him as someone who's thrown two no-hitters, went 2-0 and in the World Series, was a Cy Young for us, had one of the best seasons any Cubs pitcher's ever had. Coincidentally, he just also had the worst pitching season any Cubs pitcher's ever had. 
at, funny how life comes at you that way. All-star, a guy that really was a huge part of the success of the 2015 to 2021 Cubs. And even though the second act was a shell of what it was in the, the first time around, I'm not going to dump on him. I just feel, what's the point of that? Does it make us feel better? I'm sure he went out there wanting to be the Jake Arrieta of old. Of course he did. So there's just no need to. I think it was the right move. But, uh, you know, maybe Jake retires, which is probably the best move for him, and and finds a, a new love in his life or a, a new passion project for himself. Or maybe, you know what, he works hard, he figures some stuff out, and he catches on with the team in the offseason. Probably be for a minor league deal. I don't see anyone giving him major league money, though, to a guy with a 6.8 ERA. That's just not happening. All right, Wilson Contreras was put on the IL. I said it was like knee inflammation, something with his knee. Now, it makes me think, is this a true IL stint? Or is this, uh, this season doesn't matter. We probably caught you way too much in the first half because we had no competent backup catcher. And uh, yeah, just let's, what do you say you take 10 days off? What, what do you think? Gonna take a week or two off? That sounds fun, right? Maybe the whole season even. We'll, I'm sure maybe, but every catcher probably has a little bit of like, oh, my knee's a bit sore. And they, they fight through it. But again, what what is the point? We're trying to get a better draft pick. And if Wilson's the guy we're going to extend in the offseason and, and kind of build around, like I said before, why risk it? Wilson, buddy, do, do you have any hobbies? Go go do go play some poker? I don't know. Just take it easy for the next few weeks or so. And and then if you want, we'll come back. You can finish the year in September, right? Catch some of these new guys. Catch Thompson, catch Steele, get familiar with them. But let's take a break. That's what I think it, the injury was. Or maybe it's legit. Maybe it's legit. If it's legit, that can be concerning. Because, you know, Wilson Contreras missed a good month in 2017 with a hamstring. Missed a good month in 2019 with hamstring. And both those years were good seasons for him. 2018 was a bad year for him. His rookie in 2016 was good then. He was very good in 2017. 2018, in a good first half, if I remember, but it was pretty bad in the second half. 2019, he gets hurt. And then... um you know, 2020, he was pretty solid overall. And then this year started out okay, but he's been not good. He's barely above at league average as a hitter. He's hitting 226 batting average-wise. OPS is around 760, 750. I don't know if the number's right in front of me, but I did check the other day. You know, power numbers are good. He's got 17 home runs. So, that you know, that's nice. I haven't heard raving reviews about his pitch framing this season. So... I still love him as a backstop. I think he's got a great arm, one of the best arms behind the plate in baseball. I'm bringing this all up because I think we do need to ask ourselves, is Wilson the guy you build around? You know, it'd be, it'd be a very easy choice if he was putting up all-star level numbers, but he's not. He's got one more year on his deal. I would like to, you know, right now I'd say, because I don't think it's going to be an extension that's going to break the bank. And with a catcher, probably four or five years will do. Four years with a fifth-year option, I bet he signs for. He's 29. It's just something to think about. Also, another concern we should have as Cubs fans in regard to Wilson Contreras is the fact that uh, is he as good a hitter without three better hitters around him? This happens with teams sometimes. Sometimes with teams, you got a guy where everyone's like, hey, he's one of the best hitters on the team. But really, the pitcher, the opposing pitcher is more afraid of Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo. They focus on those three. So by the time Contreras came up, maybe they just lost focus for a second and Contreras made them pay. 
So it's like, is Contreras legitly a guy that you could put in the middle of your order? Or is he best served as being the third or fourth best hitter on your team? Just saying, if you're going into next year with Contreras as a number two hitter, or as the second best hitter, or even the best hitter on your team, I think you're in a lot of trouble. So that's something we really want to think about. Now, I don't question his leadership, although I did think it was stupid to go to the press as opposed to his teammates. I've been pretty consistent on this. I know a lot of fans were like, yeah, finally someone's saying something, which is basically saying, finally someone's saying the obvious. We suck. And one of our player, one of our players said we suck. That's great. Okay. I don't, I think everyone in the dugout knows how to read the standings. You know, his whole knock was that the focus was gone. And maybe it was, maybe it was. But again, I think that's something you're supposed to say in the in the dugout in the locker room as opposed to the press. Although, if maybe maybe he had been, maybe he had been getting in their face and it just wasn't working. He's like, you know what? I'm sick of lying to the press when they ask me these questions. I'm gonna put it out there for the world to see. In that case, I respect that as well. I do like Wilson Contreras a lot. It's just tough with the, depending on the money with the extension. You don't want to find yourself in a situation though where he's so upset that he didn't get an extension that he just walks and doesn't want to sign. So it's a real tough predicament they're in right now because Miguel Amaya was shut down for the year and you don't know how good he's going to be. It'd be one thing if Miguel Amaya was knocking on the door, you're like, all right, we'll have Contreras for next year and then Amaya will fill in right after. Well, we'll see. It all remains to be seen. Bet online, everybody. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't send the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50%. You hear me on that one? 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's big. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, Cubs fans, I figured, you know what? This has been a troubling time for us. We're trying to find things to root for. I should mention that Cubs shortstop, uh, Romine, why am I forgetting his first name? He, Andrew Romine, I'm sorry. He came into pitch because the Cubs were absolutely getting um, murdered to a violent award. <laughs> they were getting destroyed. It was 17 to four. I think when they came in, it was 16 to four. And uh, Andrew Romine was pitching to his brother, backup catcher, who was recently called up after battling injuries all year, Austin Romine. It was brother pitching to brother, a, a rarity in Major League Baseball. How about that story? That's a nice thing to see right there. And I thought to myself, you know what? Those are the little moments that as a fan, you just have to embrace. Here's something I'm not happy about. The attendance for yesterday's game was 32,500. 32,000 people? What are you doing? These numbers need to be in the, the mid twenties. Okay. Maybe a lot of it was Brewers fans who already had tickets in advance and all that. I'm hoping, but if, if we better see way lower than that, the rest of the month and into September, I'm sorry, Cubs fans. I can't believe I, I thought in my life, I would never say this. Cause I used to say what I love about Cubs fans is we show up no matter what. Uh, uh-uh. now it's different. We've tasted the mountaintop. We've been there. And we know, and, and by the way, it was different. When I used to say Cubs fans show up no matter what, we weren't the highest ticket prices in baseball, and we are right now. We are the most expensive fan experience. There was recently a, a, a data put together where it's like family of four tickets plus a couple hot dogs and a beer, parking, all that included. We are the most expensive uh, 
event. We're the most expensive trip to the ballpark. And that's why I'm saying to myself, if we still, if, if we're packing the ballpark, even in the thirties of thousands of people, the rest of the way, ah, how much owner, how much motivation does ownership really have to kickstart this rebuild and go out and get a Carlos Correa? who's only 26 or bring back Nick Castellanos. How, how much motivation do they really have to spend that money? Or are they going to say, we're going to take our time with this. We want to get this rebuild right. Obviously, the rebuild last time worked out great. We got a World Series ring. It was an amazing thing, but we want to sustain. We didn't do a good job of sustaining. So we're really going to take our time, evaluate some stuff. You know, we're going to look to be competitive. That's what they'll say. They'll, they'll say it just like that, too. And by competitive, it's like, well, we figured we'd bring Jock Peterson back. Like it's they're going to do little moves like that. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll they'll appease the fan base a little bit here or there. They'll sign Jorge Soler or something like that. And it's just, it's not enough. We need to scare them. We need this ownership to be like, I can't believe we have 15,000 people at this ball game. And it's on September, it's Labor Day weekend. I cannot believe this. Our television ratings are plummeting and nobody cares about us right now. If we don't make a splash this off season, we are flirting with danger. Okay, we are because the White Sox are on the rise. And I, any Cubs fan who's like, I'm a Sox fan now, good readings. I don't like you. I don't want you. Go away. I mean it. Go away. I like Sox fans who are diehard Sox fans. And I love Cubs fans who are diehard Cubs fans. We don't root for the other team. I'm not saying I don't, don't root against them. I'm not saying you have to root against them. I don't go out of my way to, to rile up Sox fans. I got, I got friends who are Sox fans. But you don't just be like, oh, well, the Cubs are bad now, so I'm going to go put a Sox head on now and go eight miles south and root for that team. You don't do that, is my point. I'm not saying you go out of your way to root against them. I'm not saying you can't be happy for your friends. But you don't change your shirts. Okay? You don't, you don't, you don't wear NWO uh, Wolfpack and then put on an NWO black and white shirt. It's a wrestling reference. All right. The Field of Dreams games was last night. This is a little teaser because I'm running out of time here. I, I did a little too much talking about other things. Field of Dreams, one of my favorite baseball movies of all time. I can't say it's my favorite, though. I'm going to give you my top five. I'm going to give you numbers five and four. And on the next podcast, I'll do three, two, one. Okay? Number five. And it's, I, I don't know if it's, uh, League of Their Own. A League of Their Own is my number five. Because it had a little bit of everything. That one song was kind of cheesy, though. You know, where it's like all the old ladies playing in the beginning and then they play that song where it's like, we're all going to die. That's what that's what that kind of song is. Any songs that are that nostalgic like that, where it's like, I can't remember how it goes, but it's like, this was the childhood of my days or something. I don't know. And you're just like, oh, man, these women are really old now and they used to be really young. And they're probably thinking, man, remember being young? That was fun. And now they're like my hip. It's just ugh, right. But great movie had World War Two in the background and had Gina Davis. I'm a big Gina Davis fan. That is a great actress right there. She seems really cool. And I've just, I've, I've liked her in a lot of the movies she's in. I think she's really cool. And Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks was unbelievable. You know, Wrigley Fields in the movie. I'm just, I don't know, I'm a big fan. Rosie O'Donnell was good in it. Madonna. I'm talking about Madonna. Like, this would be like if Taylor Swift was in a baseball movie or Beyonce. That's how big Madonna was at the time that movie came out. Lots to like. Lots to like about that movie. And then um, number four. Would have to. I'm going to go with uh, the Sandlot. Some of you probably thought, "Wow, I'm surprised it's not a little higher." It's close. I'm one of those people who rotates them a lot too. Sandlot to me because I was nine years old. I was the age essentially of the kids when that movie came out originally in like 1994. 
or was 93. I don't know, but I was around that age, eight to 10. I was in that age range when it first came out. And I remember like loving it because me and my friends, we'd play baseball on the block and then we'd go to the park sometimes too. But our pickup games were basically, think of your typical Chicago street, the square sidewalks down the middle, grass on either side. The one square would be home plate. We had a fire hydrant first. Then we'd make like a second base, another square. Then like someone steps on like the front of like a two flat was third base. And then we would just bash away, you know, a lot of foul balls though, because it's not the widest of streets, but it was fun. And then uh, when we got a little older, we'd start to, we didn't have like a sand lot though. I was always jealous of those kids, kids who lived like in smaller towns or like suburban settings. They had like more space for those things. City kids, we go to like schoolyards. You know, like the grade school down the street, we used to play like, you know, because the, the wall, we'd make a chalk outline on the wall and then you wouldn't need a catcher. That was kind of fun. Play that with a rubber ball. But yeah, Sandlot, something about it. You know, they just did such a good job making baseball seem like this just amazing pastime and, and it wasn't a pastime for those kids because it was happening right there in front of them. And then the the great lines like forever and like the story and they had a treehouse. There were so many things to be jealous of of that movie as a kid. I didn't know anyone with a treehouse. We didn't have a sandlot diamond like that. You know, we didn't have Wendy Peppercorn. We had, I hated the lifeguards at uh, the park that I, I grew up by. Bums. They made fun of me for not knowing. They're like, oh, you should probably put more uh, shirts on because you're going to get sunburned. You know, I'm like, because I'm Irish, you know, they're always, I remember like, how about you watch the water instead of looking at little boys' torsos, you creep. I said that. I did. I almost knocked one of them in the water. I go, keep running your mouth. All right, everybody. I got to wrap up the podcast on that note. Uh, I'll give you uh, my top three baseball podcasts on the very next Lockdown Cubs. Thank you for listening. You guys are the best. And as always, go Cubs. Lockdown bets, everybody. Betting on the NBA, MLB, or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.